Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Make sure not to miss a single podcast and subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense. Welcome to War Room, Mill Spouse Edition, Their Mission, Our Story, a limited-run series on a better peace that addresses the issues that military families face while they support their soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Guardians, and Coasties. My name is Linda. I'm a Navy wife with the survival skills to raise two children, move seven times, and thrive during multiple deployments, and somehow still find time to volunteer. My co-host navigating these stories with me is Faith. Faith is an Army wife who works outside the home as a doula and gives her time away as a perpetual, unprofessional volunteer. We know this isn't War Room's normal fare, but we're confident that the topics featured will highlight our unique military culture. Expect the conversations to be honest, the stories to be impactful, and the resources to help the family's mission. Hello, this is Faith Bomar with Mill Spouse Edition. And I'm Linda Lind. Welcome to our story. We are your co-hosts for this special series. Military spouses face challenges when it comes to employment, whether we are new or seasoned. Many of us are either underemployed, unemployed, or trying to jump back into the workforce. What can we do to set ourselves apart in this job market? How do we go about it? And what resources do we have available to us? Linda, I'm glad you asked. But you and I are not the only ones that have to answer that. Today, we are joined by two guests, Heather Klein and Meredith Smith. Heather Klein presently is a talent acquisition contractor with Client Solution Architects. She is a retired Navy Human Resources Officer after 22 years of service. She's passionate about paying it forward by networking and building strong community bonds. Meredith Smith currently works as the Deputy Director for Community Events and Programs on the Military Spouse Team at Hiring Our Heroes. In this role, she helps lead the work of the Military Spouse Professional Network, a professional community of military spouses with more than 60 locations worldwide. She also serves as a legislative subject matter expert at Hiring Our Heroes for Military Spouse Policy. Meredith is an active duty Air Force spouse. Ladies, welcome. Thank you for being here with us today. It's my pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, we're going to jump right in with the hot, with the uh, the hot topics, and I want to ask: as military spouses, there are potential gaps in our resume. What are some ways to turn this gap into a positive? Well, any work or volunteer experience that you have could be attractive to any company or organization. Don't ever discount that. And so, outlining on a resume as compelling as you can is always the goal. So being proactive, making the time commitment to tell every single person that you know that you're entering the job market is also key. 
because it is amazing who you might meet at the grocery store that just happens to do the same thing you do and has what? The perfect contact. Yeah. And then that engagement is just one of those, you know, highlights that you can always fall back on and you can always pay it forward as well by passing on the information. So engage in social media, insert a tagline that you're searching for a job. This is a way to make it positive for yourself that you know you're being proactive and you're actually looking for something because the gaps are definitely going to be there, especially with what we do and transferring all the time. But it doesn't mean that you can't put a solid product together. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I would, question. Yeah, I would just add to that, that I think one thing to know is that 80% of jobs across industry sector come from relationships, right? And so exactly to, to the other point that you never know, you never know who is going to have the relationship or the connection to, to help do a warm handoff to an opportunity that you may need. And so I think understanding that, just being aware of the importance of networking and relationship building. And I know sometimes networking is kind of like a, uh, a dirty word. People don't like to network, right? But we're really always networking, right? We are always building connections. And when we think about the gaps in our resume, um, I think it's helpful to understand that you can you can navigate through those sometimes mm-hmm. by being able to talk about um, the skills that you acquired or honed or um, leveraged while you weren't necessarily in a paid position. And sometimes it's easier to do that by building a relationship and facilitating conversations about that rather than just submitting a resume for a job. So basically don't leave it as the elephant in the room, right? Talk about what it is that you learned during those times in between the employment that is marked on your resume. Yeah, absolutely. Am am I understanding you correctly? Okay. I think so. But I think I would add to that, that, you know, sometimes there are, I think there are different ways certainly to find a job. Um, And we see this in, in the military spouses that we support at Hiring Your Heroes all the time, right? Sometimes um, you can find a job strictly through relationship building or networking, right? We Sometimes you may be able to build a relationship and kind of express your interest in a type of position. And maybe a company or an organization says, oh, I could actually, we need that skill. I could create a position for you, right? And that's one way that you can do it. Another way that you can, um, if you if you apply for a job in a traditional sense, you know, you go through the application process, you submit your resume, you get to an interview, and it comes up that you're a military spouse, or you share that you're a military spouse. And you can strategically, if you would like, address those gaps by doing just what you were Uh, speaking to, right? You can say, during this time that I wasn't in the paid workforce, I was doing X, Y, and Z. And here's how that... We talked a little bit about, yeah, we talked a little bit about the 
importance and advantage of volunteering during that time and how yes. that translates to a resume to fill in the gap of paid employment. Mm -hmm. Can you speak on that just a moment? Because I think that ties into also what we're going to move into with the professional networking uh, accounts as in like LinkedIn and those kinds of things. So tell me about volunteering and the importance of of that and then how that ties into uh, the networking and programs like LinkedIn. Networking is key. Did I say that? Networking is key. <laughs> I think you're going to repeat that. This. Yeah. Yes. You're going to repeat that. Hashtag networking. And so, you know, on a tool like LinkedIn, it's very robust. It can allow you to connect with a lot of people in a very short period of time. Those in your career field, those in a field that you'd love to get into and you feel like you may have some um, background that relates to it. And then when you put yourself on there and you outline everything that you have, put a little tagline in there that you are searching for a position. It is amazing how many folks I find on LinkedIn, even in the talent acquisition realm that I'm in now, that I'm like, oh, transitioning veteran with program management experience. Do you think I don't want to um, link in with him when I have 12 program management positions? Yeah. Absolutely, I do. So that gives me a clear indicator as to who he is and what he needs to do. So you can get a LinkedIn premium account as a military spouse. So I don't know if you all knew that, but take advantage of it because basically it gives you the oppor opportunity and capability to reach out in an in-mail. And an in-mail is being able to connect directly to someone who is in your career field or that you share a lot of hobbies with or maybe you served with and were stationed with. And so it's really a wonderful tool to like get yourself out there in front of as many people in a very short period of time. I can't emphasize that enough. Also, Heather, can you tell us how we get that? Absolutely. So LinkedIn, um, of course, go on linkedin.com and you will, you know, upload all of your information, attach a picture and just register for an account. It'll say on there, register for a premium account. And then you just go on and it, it'll have drop down menus, I believe, that it'll say military veteran, military spouse. I think they have maybe some first responders on there, but it's a really nice extra advantage as a military spouse to be able to use it. I have not been in the workforce um, for quite some time because I'm a professional, unprofessional volunteer. <laughs> Does I love my that. volunteer experience carry weight on platforms such as LinkedIn? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, tell, absolutely. Meredith, can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So I think one of the things that has come out um, as a result of the pandemic is an acknowledgement that paid work is not the only valuable work. And we've known that for a long time. Military spouses are often referred to as professional volunteers, right? We do a lot yes. of volunteer work. Um, but I think what we're seeing in the larger workforce and just in the larger uh, 
in our larger society is, is an acknowledgement that even if you're not working in a paid capacity, the work is still valuable. The person doing the work is still growing, honing and refining skills. And those skills are valuable and desirable to employers. Additionally, LinkedIn has added a feature that allows people to They've, we've, they've always had the feature to where you can add volunteer work and describe what you did, but there's now a feature where you can go in and you can specifically, you know, put in what you were doing in the time that you were not in a paid capacity. And I think when we start to see LinkedIn, that's both a professional networking platform and a tech company um, put in these systems and the infrastructure to allow people to communicate their knowledge, skills, and abilities in that way, it will help recruiters, it will help companies be able to job hunters, yes, yes, headhunters, be able to um, kind of more holistically look at candidates who are going back to the workforce, regardless of how how much time they have spent out of the paid workforce. I really like how you put that holistically, taking a a holistic outlook at the whole person. I I like that. (laughs) Well, we are, we're whole people, right? And I think there's even more of of a shift right now, I think a lot as a result of the pandemic to, to treat people and view people for who they are, you know, and what they bring to a job, even they are, what they bring. Yes. Yes. So keeping all of that in mind, then what employment resources does the military provider offer that a spouse could benefit from? So the, the good thing, and I would even argue the great thing about, um, the resources available to military spouses is that they are plentiful and they are um, often free. I work for Hiring Our Heroes and we have, I could talk for two hours about all of the resources that we have for military spouses. Um, And I I will speak to a few of those, but you specifically, you know, asked about the DOD. The DOD also has um, so many resources through their MySeco program or their SECO program, one of those resources being um, MyCAA, which is a way to get um, certifications that can help you be a more competitive applicant if you're um, transitioning back into the workforce or trying to reskill into another workforce. But um, with within Hiring Our Heroes, we have a whole suite of programs and resources for military spouses who are either um, in the workforce and want to kind of reskill or upskill their um, existing skill sets. Um, But we also have resources for military spouses who are looking to return to the workforce. And we have resources for spouses who are in the workforce and want to maintain their professional network. And ah, so glad you wow. touched on that. Yeah, yeah. So so um and I know you mentioned this kind of in, in my introduction, but that is one of the programs that that I support. 
in a, in a lot of the work that I do. Um, we have the Military Spouse Professional Network at Hiring Our Heroes. We often say we are a network of networks. So mm-hmm. we have 66 locations around the world. And the goal, um, big picture, is really to be, I like to say, a conduit and a catalyst to building and maintaining your own professional network as a military spouse Mm -hmm. as you move around from duty station to duty station. Mm -hmm. Within those networks, you you have access to not only other military spouses, but our volunteer leads of those networks. So we talked about volunteer work. Uh Um, You know, we have amazing volunteer leaders in, in our professional networks who are able to build and maintain relationships with local communities to help facilitate warm handoffs for military spouses who are new to an area and looking to, you know, engage in the local economy. They host professional development um, monthly sessions so that you can not only build and maintain your own professional network, but you can you know, know that you can come to one of our locations or one of our networks and find uh, professional development opportunities at a regular cadence, right? Wow. Taking those first steps seems so important, but yes. also sometimes so intimidating. So know, knowing exactly where to go, Yes. just where there's going to be someone on the other end willing to help. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's not so intimidating. So it's not so, so you can feel the empowered to build and then be able to launch from that, I think is, Absolutely. is incredible. And the fact that there are so many resources to do so, yeah. is we're, we're spoiled. We're- <laughs> yeah. And I think I, to, to add to that though, you know, I think sometimes I want to acknowledge that I think it can be speaking from a military spouse perspective and, and hearing from military spouses all the time, it can feel like resource overload, right? And I oh, think, sure. yes. I think being able to navigate through that is another benefit of building your network and building your community, because that gives you the opportunity to work with other people to help them, to help you navigate through what's available because you can't take advantage of everything all at once and things are changing. So I I would argue, you know, that that's another benefit of making sure you have that professional network so that you can navigate through what's available. Okay. So let's say that I have taken advantage of these resources that you are uh, describing and I have built my resume There seems to be some hesitation and fear that when applying, that an employer is going to know just by looking at my resume that I'm a military spouse and therefore I'm not going to be there very long and that I'm not going to, my resume and myself are not going to be competitive enough because of the assumption that I'll be there and gone. Can, um, Heather, can you speak on that for us? Absolutely. And this is something I see all the time. But guess what? You can add a cover letter that outlines that very thing and talk about exactly what you've done, what you can bring to the table, explain that gap. But guess what you're being? You're being honest. And that's what they want. You're being direct. You're telling them, I have a finite period of time here, unless it's remote. And then it really wouldn't matter. You can pick it up and take you take it with you. 
Mm-hmm. However, if it's for a finite period of time, this is what I can do for you and please, you know, give me the opportunity. I'm being proactive. I know I can do this job. You know, give them a reason to say no. You've, you've got to be in it to win it as well. This is not a time to be modest. You have to brag about yourself. And so lots of employers, you know, they want to support the military community. I can't tell you how many times people reach out to me and go, I want to hire a military spouse. I want to hire a veteran. And it's so true. And so what do I do? I look for all of you, see who's looking for a job, and I make that contact. And I like how Meredith put it, the warm handoff. I really like that because isn't it great to go, hey, Linda, guess what? I know Faith. Faith did X, Y, and Z while we served together at the USO. She's a great organizer. She's honed her skills in networking. Um, You know, she has some sales background. Boom. That's appealing, you know, for someone who's hiring in that in that arena. So honestly, I just feel that you should just take the bull by the horns and say, this is what I have. This is who I am. This is what I can offer right now. These are my strengths. And Uh then show your credentials to do the job, whether it's paid or volunteer. And talk about the clubs and organizations that you um, also maybe did a side job for. I mean, people have a lot of side hustles, especially military spouses. And oh, they, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? They have small businesses. Oh, yeah. No, we, we, we hustling around here. We <laughs> hustling. We're hustling. I know. We're I peddling our wares, I tell you. <laughs> That's for sure. But, you know, it's fun to call it a little side hustle because guess what? Just in that word hustle, that's appealing to an employer. Oh, you're hustling? Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. So, you Absolutely. know, just please don't discount that. Well, and how much do we do that anyway? Um, not necessarily in the job force. You know, we keep talking about networking and these warm handoffs, but don't we do that for each other? Oh, you're going to anyway. this new base yep. and I know these five people there, you need to connect with them so that you have a group of people automatically when you get there. Why don't it's already ingrained in us to do that. Exactly. So it, exactly. It, I'm sure it transfers absolutely smoothly to employment. Meredith, I am kind of the same question. Did you ha- want to answer that? Yeah, I, I would just add that I think, you know, anytime you're applying for a job or transitioning to a new job or returning to the workforce, there is a lot of emotion that comes with that, right? Mm. It can be that it can be intimidating. Changing jobs is one of the top stressors for people in general, right? Not just military spouses. So I just want to acknowledge that because I think that helps um or I hope it helps put into perspective kind of the undertaking that mm. that finding well a job Um, really entails, you know, but I also want to add that, you know, talking about the gaps on a resume or speaking to why there are gaps, Uh I would say be strategic. 
because sometimes it might make sense to really draw out um, or, or, you know, head on address those gaps in the resume. Sometimes if the employer doesn't ask, and maybe it doesn't necessarily matter um, why there are gaps, I would say don't feel like you have to overshare that to justify why someone should hire you because right now the largest share of the workforce is made up of the millennial generation. Military spouses are no more transient than the largest share of the workforce. We do, we do move more frequently, right? We pick up and move our lives to a new uh, location. But they're changing jobs more, re- more frequently. Yes. Is that, yes. And that is good news. That's my news. understanding as well. That is good news for us as spouses because it really does level the playing field in terms of the talent pool that employers are considering, right? So that okay. is, I hope that that is an empowering message. And the other thing that I'll add to that is that, you know, we think about when we're applying for jobs, we're thinking about what is in this for me, right? I want this, I want to attain these new skills, I want to leverage my experience, I want to uh, have an income, I want to build my retirement savings, like this is what I want to do. I think it's also important to acknowledge the cost that comes with hiring an employee from an employer's perspective, right? Because that's really what they are talking about. But when we talk about the hesitancy to hire someone, if they're a military spouse, it's not personal. It's it's about their bottom line. So yeah. the more we can educate ourselves as spouses about how to frame what we have in terms of talent mm-hmm that will meet their needs regardless of the cost that it is to hire us. Addressing their perspective and touching on their bottom line and showing them that we are What is our ROI? Yes. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, so let's touch on uh, what one of you said earlier about portable careers. You know, we're expected to relocate. can you tell us some portable careers and virtual job options and how do we find them? So I will take that one. Um, I have seen this most frequently, online teaching, online professorships, online marketing, online bookkeeping and HR related jobs. And especially an up and coming one is coding. And any certification that you have in any of these is great to be used in a remote capacity. But what I'd also like to offer up as well is Facebook has a huge vert force following of 54,000 members. It's called vert force on Facebook. So join those groups because it's amazing what you will be able to do from a networking perspective, but also looking at specific jobs and what the jobs entail. And if you have the bullets that are you know, outlined in that position description, then by all means, apply for that position. But join uh, groups like Military Spouse Networking, Career Military Spouses, search for remote work on LinkedIn as well. That is another one um, to also join all of those groups 
and then put a little blurb in there that you're looking. If you want to attach your resume, you certainly can do that as well. But also don't forget to hit up the career services centers on the posts and bases that you're on because there's a lot of remote work that um, pops up on, on posts now too. Like Meredith was saying before, you know, more than ever, we're entering into a virtual force. And I believe I saw, um, I can't remember uh, what publication I saw it in, but by 2028, we are going to be at 73% remote work. Wow. Incredible. Yes. Wow. Incredible. And I can certainly get you the information on that, but I just saw it the other day and I was like, wow, 2028, 73%. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Meredith. Yeah. I would, I would just add um, to what Heather was saying as well, because I think, um, you know, in addition to kind of some of uh, some of the jobs that we've always intuitively known could be done remotely, right? Um, or maybe not always known, but in the last 10 years, we thought, oh, these jobs could be done remotely. Why, why aren't there more opportunities? The pandemic definitely, I think, has helped push, um, push more of those jobs mm-hmm. to be Change the narrative, remote. It? Absolutely. Yes. And I would add, too, that jobs that we never thought about being remote eligible opportunities, we are seeing more and more remote. I mean, think about um, medical practitioners or different types of healthcare clinicians, right? Mm -hmm. We have found ways to allow for telehealth, right? So even military spouses who didn't necessarily think that they would be a candidate because of the type of work that they did. We are seeing so many more opportunities because the workforce demanded it, right? And I think that's yeah, another- to take it on the road. Yes, that's another good news story. And the other thing that that I'll um, that I really want to touch on because I think it's important. Um, in addition to all of the resources that that Heather mentioned, I would also plug the Military Spouse Professional Network as you know an online. Uh, we have a lot of Facebook communities, but one of the questions that we see, I see it multiple times a day, every uh-huh. single day, and it is, "I'm looking for a remote job, right?" And the first, how do I find one? And the first thing that we always come back to with an answer is what type of a remote job? Because a remote job is the location of the job, right? Right. And a remote job doesn't necessarily mean that it is a portable job given kind of the different constraints of the employer. And so it's really important to understand what industry, what type of job you're looking for that's remote, right? That And yeah. that's on us to identify as military spouses. I mean, it just, if yeah. right? it's, that's way yep. broad. But, but the good news about that is I think for a long time as spouses, we have felt like, oh my gosh, I just need a remote job. And we haven't doing felt, felt like we, <laughs> right, doing what? Because we haven't felt yeah. like we could really think about what we want. And also have a remote job. So the good news is... It was intangible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now I think that that's where there's so much opportunity. But again, you know, being able to sift through that opportunity is, is where the real work comes in. Because we have to understand, um, as spouses, what do we want to do? And then 
strategically apply for those types of positions, kind of regardless of where they are. And the other thing that I feel like I have to plug here, because we see it all the time, is that, you know, a remote job also doesn't necessarily mean it is a flexible schedule, right? So some remote jobs are flexible and are project-based, but not all of them. And so it's important that we understand what we're asking for and what employers understand a position to be. So is it remote and portable? Is it a flexible remote job? Does it have a set schedule as a remote job? So those are all some some other questions to think through when we're in the job searching process. So we've gotten a lot of really great information. Um, I'm wondering if you ladies have some do's and don'ts for us as far as job searches and resumes and interviews go as we start all this process. Absolutely. So this is a reflection of you. So spend time on your resume. Ask for help. Use all of the resources at your disposal and ensure that at least three people read it over for typos. <laughs> good advice, good advice. Grammar, <laughs> content, spelling. Get advice from an expert at the community services on your base and post. And just remember, you can always revise it. It's a fluid document. You're going to be adding to it. You're going to be tailoring it to specific jobs that you're applying for. It sounds less intimidating when you call it a fluid document. <laughs> it does. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad because really that's what it is. And you're going to have a different summary. You might have different competencies based on which you know uh, position description you're applying for. So just remember that. But more than anything, ensure that several folks are looking over it. Now, don't send out a resume with the wrong contact info and <laughs> don't use too much personal information. Okay. Try not to do that. Good advice. And, and don't add anything that's vague in the description. Be precise. Tell them what it is that you know, what your skills are, and, um, you know, just outline it really nicely in there. Don't leave it vague. And things that are and, relevant, right? Like I would love yes. to include that I'm a pretty yes. snazzy dancer. Right. But that, but if you're going for a program management position with a DOT, seem, yeah. might not, yes. But um, they may think you're great at a happy hour. So that's not a bad thing. <laughs> well, but anyway. have a happy hour, then I'll leave <laughs> off my resume for now. Right, right. But don't exclude, again, volunteer information, certifications you've earned. What about these ELDC certificates that we've earned here? That should be the next thing that goes on your resume. And don't leave out things like CPR and any fraternities or sororities that you belong to, things like that. A lot of people are like, ah, maybe I shouldn't add that. No, go ahead. It shows one that you're abroad. Um, well, it, it shows that um, future learning. You're willing to learn. Ah. You're willing. You, yes, because they want to know that you're going to take something from start to finish. I mean, they're also looking for that. Employers find that very, very attractive. I would, I would add to that as well, and just say I think it's definitely just you know tan a tangible piece of advice about what to put on the physical digital document that is your resume is 
to make sure, um, just like what Heather said, that you're highlighting the action and the impact that that action had on the company or the organization or the project that you were working on. Because when we're submitting a resume, it's we're, we're telling the story of our work. Mm, um, oh, I like we, that. What we really are, the story we're trying to tell is what was the impact of what we did, right? How many, um, if, you're, if you're a managing a, a one-time project, right? What were the individual actions that you took uh, and what was the result of that? You I know, think we don't, I, we're all surprised when we write it out. Yes, absolutely. And that's another you know, it, thing. It's, yeah. It's important. It's, it's, it's an exercise. And just like, just like what you were saying before, that this document is a fluid document. And so we can, I would recommend, you know, if you're building a resume, write everything out, have someone review it, and then come back to it. Because it takes, a, it, it's like any type of writing. The first draft is probably not the best. The second draft might not be the best, right? And the more we learn about what types of positions we're looking to apply for allows us in our verbiage to tailor our experience to the needs of the position that we're applying to. And I think that other piece is really important too, because so many uh, job opportunities that are posted online, whether they're posted on LinkedIn or some other platform, when you go to upload your resume, there is um, machine learning or AI that's built into the um, the review process that will go through and review a first. It's kind of like the AI is the first look at your resume. So the more tailored the verbiage is on your resume to the positions that you're applying for, the more likely you are to get through that first round of review before you even get to a human <laughs> Absolutely. reviewing yeah. your resume. Absolutely. Right? Yep. So that's, a, that's really important. And just to add to what Heather said, you know, um, we used to put our addresses on resumes. We don't do that anymore. Right. That is not necessary. You can put your LinkedIn profile URL, but you don't need to put your address. So that's another way that we um, that cultural norms are shifting to that, that really are good advantage. I didn't. I've, yeah. I haven't, it's been long enough for me to, since I have filled out a resume that I did not even know that I would have started right. the format of writing a resume in my mind starts at the very top with my name and address. I mean, that's, I mean, that's how old I am, right? How old are you? And, Those they have got these social your, media games of I'm this old. I'm this old. My address goes to the top of my resume. Oh, Faith. Oh. Right. Right. I mean, but definitely put your email address, right? Yeah. I mean, so we've taken out physical address, but we've added email address and LinkedIn URL and cell phone number, right? So your contact information is still there, but they don't need to know that your last duty station was exactly because it has changed since then. It has changed. Ladies, this has been incredible. Thank you so much from the top of the resume down. I think that we have covered it all and I'm so appreciative. And so as today's episode comes to a close, I'll once again, thank you for joining us. And we'd like to thank all of our listeners out there as well. 
please send us your comments on this podcast or others, because we'd love to hear your suggestions or ideas for future topics. We're always interested in hearing from you. If you've not already done so, I hope you'll subscribe to War Room via our website, which will put updates and content directly in your inbox. You can also subscribe to A Better Piece on the podcatcher of your choice. And if you would, rate and review the podcast. That will certainly help other people find us. We look forward to having you all again with us soon. And until next time, from the War Room, I'm Faith Bomar with their mission. And I'm Linda Lind. This has been our story. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.